This is the Hockey News Podcast. Hello, everybody. The Hockey News Podcast returns for a second time this week. It's Matt Larkin here with Ken Campbell. Ken the Coke Can Campbell and Ryan the Something Kennedy. And we're keeping it going with the podcast. We already had one earlier this week, of course, previewing the Eastern Conference Round 1 playoff matchups. And we're going to continue with the West. So for starters, we've got Calgary and Colorado. And this is a series that I don't think I saw coming because I didn't think Colorado was going to make the playoffs, especially with the injuries down the stretch, Gabriel Landeskog and Miko Rantanen. But here we are, Colorado. Great a lot, run a lot of people didn't think season. Calgary was going to make the playoffs this year either. We did. We had them. Yeah, we had them. We had them. Yeah. Nailed Props it. to us. Yes. Props to us. Take that, Islanders fans. We didn't get everything wrong. <laughs> you, you bastards. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> but hey, we nailed it, right? Because we knew Calgary, they made a lot of changes. They brought in Bill Peters. They got better luck with injuries, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And suddenly yeah. they became a powerhouse, one of the highest scoring teams in the league. And I guess let's start by breaking down the offenses. Calgary, the only team in the league with five 70 point players. Very impressive. Yeah. And to me, we can talk you know, a lot about how good Johnny Gaudreau is, superstar at this point of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matthew Kachuk has shown the ability to take over a game. Mark Giordano, maybe the Norris Trophy frontrunner. But I think what's fascinating about Calgary is this is a deep team. I think deeper yeah. than sometimes they get credit for. And to mm-hmm. me, that gives them an edge over Colorado, an obvious one. But do you guys agree? Yeah. O- offensively? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, they had, what, three and a half goals a game this year? They and and they could they could really pour it on when they wanted to. It seemed to me. Um, so yeah, no, I I would absolutely give it to uh, I would absolutely give the edge to to Calgary. Although although Colorado, I mean, for most of the first half of the year, they had the best line in hockey. They've got a better power play um, than than Calgary does. So I don't think that I don't think the chasm between the two is is as huge as you might expect. But I still would give Calgary the edge. Yeah, and you know Colorado had three guys with at least seventy points. Obviously, not as good, but not bad either. The thing I would also point out about the Flames is that James Neal hasn't really done much yet. Done much, but that's he hasn't not done to much say. yet. Much is he hasn't like yeah. much is like has he done anything? Right. Yeah. Which is to say, there's room for improvement. Well, and and his playoff resumes. Pretty damn good. It's pretty extensive. Yeah, it's pretty expensive, extensive, and yeah. he's gone and expensive. Yeah, yeah, that too. <laughs> but he's gone deep with teams. Yeah, and you know, I mean, they didn't, they didn't sign James Neal for nothing for the regular season. They signed him for now. So now he's mm-hmm. got to now he's got to he's got to pull his bootstraps up. Exactly. So you add him into a lineup that already has some pretty nice depth in terms of weapons, and you look at that versus the Avs essentially being a one-line team, and I think that's why you really have to give the offense to Calgary. Right, and the thing that's tough for Colorado and Coach Jared Bednar is he always has the option of splitting up the nuclear line, but it hasn't gone very well, especially Miko Ranton. He's someone who, if you look at his numbers and the analytics without Nathan McKinnon, the impact is not nearly as strong. Right. They really work best as just a powerhouse trio. It looks like Rantanen will be healthy in time for Game 1. Uh, but the problem is, last year they were the one-line team, and this year that trio, Landis Gog, McKinnon, and Rantanen, scored an even higher percentage of Colorado's goals. So they're even more top-heavy than before. And Calgary has the types of forwards that can be put into a shutdown situation. Michael Backlund, Kachuk, mm-hmm. Frolik. Right. And you could sick that line on Colorado's big line, and, and you can't take them out, but if you could even neutralize them, uh, yeah, it's going to be then, hard for the Avs. Yeah, yeah. And, then, and then you win it on depth. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. 
Uh, defense <clears throat> is an interesting one. Colorado for many years had a very weak defense core, but it's on the rise. And you got Eric yeah. Johnson healthy now, Tyson Berry and Samuel Gerard. They can move the puck. Uh, but Colorado's got Mark Giordano, probable Norris Trophy winner. And yeah. TJ Brody moved over yeah. to his offside, reunited with Giordano for this season and with great results. Uh, you got you got Noah Hannafin, Travis Hamanek. Yeah, it looks to me like Calgary is the better defensive team. Well, and nobody gave up fewer shots per game than Calgary did this year. Um, so when you have that goaltending, that's very important. Yes, <laughs> yeah. we'll get to that. Yeah, save it yes. for the podcast. Yeah, but but yes, <laughs> I, I think I think defensively Calgary does have the edge. Yeah, yeah. When you have Mark Giordano, who yeah, yeah. I, I believe is going to win the. I, th- I think he's going to win it now too. Like it was like I was thinking like okay, he might win it, and then it was like he's probably going to win it. Then ah, uh, you never know. Yeah, but I think I I think he's going to win it, and I think he's going to win it fairly easily. I think so too. I can't. It, yeah. It's sort of like okay. He's one on my ballot, and then it's like, okay, then who would come next? And you sort of think about it for a little bit. And the fact that there's any sort of pause there says right. there really isn't a competitor. Exactly. For and and I think it's been a it's like two things have conspired. Number one, he's been ridiculous. He's been really good. Yeah. And number two, you haven't had a monster year from a Brent Burns and Eric Carlson. Well, Burns had 83 yeah. points, but yeah, but yeah. I know what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, like Giordano it just, had in the yeah. 70s. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. 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 Giordano was a point of game. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So goaltending to me is going to be the biggest deciding factor and maybe the only advantage Colorado is going to have. And it's debatable. I think we're going to have a debate on this yeah, one. Philip yeah. Grubauer was excellent down the stretch. He was chased from the crease in the playoffs last year in round one with the Capitals. So which version of him is going to show up? And then on Calgary's end, you have the battle all season long between David Riddick and Mike Smith. It looks like the crease is Smith going back to it. Mike it Smith. Like, yeah. But again, that's... A platoon still likely. If, if Smith has a bad game, it, they could easily go to Riddick, and that's it's messy. And we, we've known all season that's Calgary's <clears throat> Achilles' heel, and I think a lot of their ability to go deep rests on goaltending. But who yeah. do you think has the edge? Well, it's funny because you look at a series and you look at you say goaltending. Which team has the better goaltending? In this series, you're asking, which team has the worst yeah, goaltending? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Like, which team is going to lose it for its team? Mm-hmm. And I honestly don't know. I mean. Both the saving grace for both teams, saving grace, see what I did there. Um, mm-hmm. For both teams is that the number one guy has been has been pretty good as of late. You know, Mike Smith's save percentage is nine twenty in his last ten starts. That puts him right in the mix, right? Okay, so he's been good. Um, and Phil Philip Grubar's gone seven zero and two. You know, and they he was picking up wins for for Colorado when they desperately needed them right mm-hmm. so so I, I think you know you've got that so it's a toss-up I, I think it's the one you're looking at like like seriously you're looking at the one that's going to be less bad yeah <laughs> you know what and, I mean and I think this is a different Philip Grubauer than the one we saw last year where he was the surprise starter for Washington and obviously it kind of felt like he was the sacrificial lamb where it's like we're putting you in that because we're trying to send a message to Holtby. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Like in the grand scheme of things. But I think because he played a lot more this year and you know going to a new team where there were expectations for him, I think we've seen that growth and being hot now certainly helps. For me this is it's even, it's a saw-off, and, and I agree with Ken that it's it's going to be a deciding factor, and maybe not in a positive way, but it could be just a negative for the team that doesn't get it. Right, and, and I think, I give a slight edge to Colorado, actually, and Mike Smith, uh, he's always an injury waiting to happen, it seems. It seems like there's a scare every other game, almost. With yeah, him. yeah. Uh, and he's closer to 40 than 30, and he had a save percentage below 900 in all but two months this season, so the consistency mm-hmm. wasn't there. 
Uh, whereas Grubauer, going into the season, had a lot of really appealing numbers under the hood suggesting a breakout was coming, and eventually it did come. It just took a, a while for it to happen. Uh, so to me, it's I don't think that... I don't think that goaltending is going to win Calgary the series or lose Calgary the series, but I think goaltending could win Colorado the series. If the Avs make this a six or seven game series, it's going to be because Grubauer comes up big. Right. Mm. Right. Intangibles. This is an interesting one. I don't see a really strong storyline emotionally for either team that's going to turn the tide <laughs> of the series, but what do you think? Well, Calgary overachieved throughout the season. Colorado kind of overachieved at the end and, and so you've got that I think in an interesting way like I look at Colorado and I go okay so in the first part of this series in Buffalo New York is going to be the final the frozen four and Kale McCarr is going to be playing in that series and if Kale McCarr is a stud in that series and, and Massachusetts wins it you've got that You've got the lottery. You got a lot of good things happening, right? You've got mm-hmm. you've got this this stud defenseman coming up. Maybe Colorado just goes, yeah, we're we're feeling it, man. You know, like we're feeling it. We've got a great future, and uh, you know, we're just gonna go out and roll with things. And maybe that's maybe that gives them a bit of motivation. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, the only thing I can sort of pick up on is that expectations should be high in Calgary. I mean, they have not had very much playoff success for a very long time, really going back to the last time they were in the cup final. Right. And that's a market that is getting impatient, I think, that's saying, like, we need to be, you know, actually seeing concrete changes in the playoffs. We, we need more series in Calgary than we've had lately. Whereas in Colorado, yeah. because yeah, of what yeah, you were mentioning, yeah. it's like, yeah. you know, they know Kale McCarr is coming. <laughs> You know, they, they have a shot at Jack Hughes. I think for this current bunch, obviously they want to win now, but I don't think there's that external pressure saying, like, come on, boys, like, this is your year. I think this is part of a growing process under Joe Sackick where it's more a matter of, okay, let's get these reps. Let's see what we do against, yeah. you know, uh, this really high-flying Flames team. Let's try to hang with them. You know, let's at least extend this series to the end or close to it. And I think in sort of a backwards way, that really helps Colorado. Yeah, that's a good point. And we've said all year that playoffs were kind of house money for the Avs. And we saw it in the way Joe Sackick behaved as a GM. He was very conservative in the summer. He was conservative at the trade deadlines. It was clear he wasn't getting ahead of himself and, yeah, and yeah. getting overconfident about what his, his team was going to be. And so I saw it as a bonus. And I think there's very little pressure. And I agree, there is pressure on Calgary. I think it's easily their best team since 04. So... There could be a mental edge, a little one, for Colorado. And the Avs, they pushed a very good Nashville team. President's Trophy winning mm-hmm. Nashville team last year. They at least gave them a pretty decent fight, and right. they had no right. goaltending. They had right. Andrew Hammond thrown in there. Mm-hmm. They're a healthier team this time around. They had no Wow, Eric I Johnson. totally forgot about that. <laughs> Holy smokes! Like, did we dream that? <laughs> yeah. It happened. Hamburger was in there against the President's Trophy winning team. Do you ever go back, like, and you, like, see a guy's career, and you see, like played a bunch of teams and then there's like a Washington in there and you go like I have no recollection of totally. that guy ever playing for Washington or for whatever team right yeah that's one of those ones where it was like whoa yeah totally forgot it's like it's like Peter Forsberg Nashville Predator that's one that always jumps out mm, to me Man, yeah. came and went quickly so time to make a serious pick on this one uh, I like Colorado to make things interesting I think it's going to be a competitive series mm. but I still think Calgary has the overall talent and depth yeah so I say flames and six I'm saying Calgary in five. 
I'm a coward, so I'm going to pick Calgary in seven, but there's a wow. part of me that really wants to say, like, Colorado in seven. Do it! Or even six. But no, come I already, on, come I, on! I already made my prediction you know, when, we, when we did it for the website, so I'm going to stick with Calgary in seven. Okay. Next up, we go to the uber-competitive Central Division. Nashville came out on top, won the division again, and they're going to take on the Dallas Stars. And I've always compared Dallas to Colorado because I think they're very similarly built top-heavy, although Dallas, of course, has a major advantage in goaltending, which we'll get to, but let's start by breaking down the offenses. For me, it's not pretty with Dallas. We knew they were top-heavy, of course, Alexander Radulov and Jamie Benn, Tyler Sagan. Benn had one of the worst seasons of his career, and the Stars, other than those three, had only, or had no forward, I think, above 30, 34 points. Low 30s. Yeah, Rupe Hintz is their second line. It, it just, I, think, I thought it was Rupe. Rupe no. Hintz, sorry. It's yeah. probably Rupe. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, Rupe Hintz and... We'll ask Sammy Hoffman, yeah. and it'll turn out to be something completely different. Yeah, that's yeah. right. But the Predators didn't set the world on fire offensively this year, no, but I think no. compared to what Dallas brings to the table, Dallas has got one look, and they can move the puck well from the back end with Mira Heiskanen and John Klingberg, but I see a pretty significant advantage for Nashville in offense. Do you agree? Yeah, I mean, neither of these teams is terribly dynamic offensively. Like, I saw yesterday that the, the Nashville Predators put out a tweet saying, congratulations to Victor Arvidsson for setting the single-season goals record at 34. That's right. And he broke his own record, which was 33. <laughs> it's not his what fault. What the heck? Arvidsson was great this yeah, year. Yeah, no, I know. But, I know but, I'm, but you know what I mean? It's not like, a high bar I don't to see clear. Game, I, you know, the only difference is that Dallas has game-breakers. They have two game breakers. They have two game breakers. They've got Jamie Benn and they've got Tyler Sagan. Mm. And they've got... Radulov. I'd say Jason Spatza. <laughs> Radic um, Yeah, yeah. But they've got two game breakers. I don't see any game... I don't see any game breakers in Nashville. I think Arvidsson... Like, Arvidsson for most of the season was at a 50-goal pace. So yeah, I, I would say yeah, okay, that. okay. Yeah, that's without injuries, But I mean, even, even Phil, is, is Philip Forsberg a game breaker? Not sure. Kyle Tercher is actually a game breaker. Ryan Johansson isn't a game breaker. I mean, their game breakers are on the back end. You know? Yeah, I mean, true. So, um, that's the only thing that I see. But, I mean... You know, my hips don't lie, or the numbers don't lie, or whatever. I don't know what is my hips. <laughs> I don't know. What, I, I don't Isn't know that, that a Shakira song? It is, but she's yeah, not a yeah. hockey analyst. <laughs> Shakira song. Wow. <laughs> she might not know what hockey is. I don't think so. Anyways, yeah. the numbers don't lie. There you go. All that right. makes a lot more sense. I, I think just as a collective, Nashville has a, an advantage here. But I will say that. You know, despite Jamie Ben having uh, an off season, he's still Jamie Ben, and yep. he could turn it on, and, and that could be a big difference if he goes into like beast mode. Right, right. Then you know, <laughs> Dallas at least has a puncher's chance in terms of offense. Right. When it comes to defense, they both go about it different ways, but they're both effective. So Dallas' defense good. is very much tied to its outstanding goaltending, uh, and the Preds' goaltending has been good, not elite this year, um, but pretty strong from Pekarina and UC Saros, but. Obviously, their defense core. P.K. Stubman had a bit of a down year offensively, but still looking at that group, it's still outstanding. Roman Yossi's Roman Yossi. Matias Ekholm, I think, for a lot of the year was in the Norris Trophy conversation for his all-around play. Am I missing anything? or is it? Yeah, Matias Ekholm was amazing this yeah. year. Mm-hmm. He was, um, for, particularly in the first two-thirds of the season, he was outstanding. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah. And, and, I mean, Dallas, you know, I mean, Dallas did technically have the second-best defensive team in the league this year, if you look at goals against but I mean that's a team that was not too long ago was scary scary bad defensively Mm. and I think a lot of it has to do with their goaltending as well um but yeah I mean give them props right like they're both good they're both pretty good they're both 
they're, well, they're both very good. It's I mean, be a that low feels very good. Series, yeah, it's not yeah. going to be. It's the, you know, if you're looking for pond hockey, you better go somewhere else because yeah, this is going to be a lockdown. Yeah, I think you you give the advantage to Nashville, but it's it's not as clear an advantage as you might think based on the way guys like Klingberg and Heskinen right. have played for Dallas. I think they've been playing the right way in that sense. They play a very you know they have a very modern defense core. And, you know, Nashville, they got that big four. Uh, you know, Ryan Ellis, we haven't mentioned him yet. Um, but, yeah, you, you still give it to the Preds. Right. I, I'm excited to see playoff Miro Heiskanen. It's mm-hmm. hard to say whether he's going to be burnt out. He's playing probably the most hockey of his life this year, beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his game, he's just, you know, mobile. He's so smart for his age. He's rangy. I just think I could see him having a breakout playoff, even in a losing effort, but just really establishing sure. himself as, sure. as a great all-around defenseman. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Goaltending, I think is Dallas's clear advantage. And the Predators, again, they have the reigning Vezin Trophy winner, but mm-hmm. Pecorine also got pulled three times in one series to end the playoffs last year. The playoff track record, especially on the road, is very spotty for Rene. Uh, and Bishop is right there, in my opinion, with Vasilevsky <coughs> for the best goalie in the league this year, 934 save percentage. Uh, assuming that Bishop doesn't yeah. get into one of his ouchies where you know he gets hurt. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ouchies. Yeah. Ouchies. Shout out to my <laughs> two-year-old daughter. Yeah. Uh, but I think you have to give the edge to the to the team with Ben Bishop right now. Absolutely, absolutely. There was no goalie who played 45 games who had a better save percentage than Ben Bishop did this year. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, huge, huge year for him. Yeah. 1.98 goals against average. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. it's funny, I think he played 46 games. Yeah, yeah. Like, if he yeah. had played, you know, 10 more than I think you... You say there's your Vesna winner right there, but I mean, 46. And if Jordan Binnington had played 10 or 15 more. Yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wait for the St. Louis. Wait. Um, save it. But I, th- I think the, the best thing about Bishop is that he has continued to be hot. Like, this is not a matter of him piling up wins at the beginning of the season and then, you know, cooling down a bit. Like, we are at peak Bishop right now. And I think that's great for a Dallas Stars team that, that obviously is. You know, they were pretty good in their their final 10 games. And coming in as the underdog to Nashville, you want to have some momentum going. And I, and I think they have that. And I think Bishop definitely has that on his own. And Nashville arguably doesn't have, like you said, game breakers. They don't have the type of shooters that can overcome elite goaltending. Like if, if Ben Bishop is yeah, on, yeah. If, he's, if he gets in the zone, card. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think because you don't have, it's mm-hmm. not like a team that has, you know, five or six deadly shooters. Right. Uh, what about the intangibles? It seems, obviously, the Predators are the more experienced team, having been to the final a couple of years ago, uh, and they're the team that's very much in win-now mode, and they you know, they made their trades at the deadline, got Wayne Simmons and Michael Granlin. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so far, so far, so meh. I still, think, I, I, I still think a guy like Wayne Simmons... Uh, is going to matter a lot more in the playoffs when, you know, as the cliche says, put the whistles away, but it does well, happen. He, he couldn't have mattered less uh-huh. in the regular season yeah. when after so, he so got there. So by doing anything. Yeah, by, I'm by right. just not being a healthy scratch, he'll matter more. Hey, he, he took some minor penalties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a thing. Gets your name on the score sheet. You know? it, it, does. it does. It does. Yeah. Yeah. But I don't see personally a really dominant storyline, but if you're going to look for an intangible, I'd say the experience advantage, especially on the defense core, is going to mm. go to Nashville. To me... I don't like Nashville. I don't like them. As people? No, no, no. Just, no, just, I don't like their team. Uh, I'm getting the sense that the Nashville Predators are morphing into what the Washington Capitals were when David Poyle was the general manager in Washington. Mm. A pretty good team, but not good enough. Mm. Not good enough to deliver. I, and, and this is a team that made the Stanley Cup final, 
took a step back last year, and in my opinion, took another step back this year. To me, that signals gradual decline. Mm. And I don't like it. I'm, and I can, I think you can see where I'm going with this. I think you can see where I'm going. It's getting hot. I can feel the hot take coming. Well, you might have some company there. I'm just saying. Whoa! Because if there's one, if there's one, mind blown, if there's one intangible (laughs) for me, and, you know, obviously we know Peter Laviolette, fantastic coach. He's done it all. But let's not forget, Jim Montgomery has won. At other levels, you know, it hasn't been too long since he won a national championship with the University of Denver, and he's coming in and he has done what was needed to get this team into the playoffs. Obviously, Ben Bishop, a huge assist there, but I think that we shouldn't overlook that just because Montgomery's a rookie NHL coach that he can't step up and get his guys going the right direction because he has done it at other levels before. We haven't talked about Matt Zuccarello yet either. And that's another we haven't talked that's about another X factor yeah. is that Dallas yeah. has been playing without Zuccarello yeah, since yeah. they traded been very for him. Good. He's, he was very good down the stretch for the Rangers, but I, and really good in his first game too. Yes, that first <laughs> yeah. game. And he's not to me. He blocked shots. He's not a needle mover. Ooh, well, he's been. He was pretty when the Rangers were good. He was one of their best. Forwards. He gives them depth that they don't have without mm-hmm. him. You know? He's a great fit for them. I don't. Yeah, yeah. That, yeah. But I don't yeah. think he's going to change my pick to you know. Oh, no, no, no. I'm just saying. We haven't talked about him yet. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying because we hadn't. His nickname is the Norwegian Hobbit. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, thanks, bro. Well, if we're going to talk about him, let's just bust out some (laughs) Zuccarello facts. He broke his arm this year. Sorry, Matt. Let's make a series pick. Uh, I'm not going to overthink this one. I'm going to pick the better, deeper, more experienced team. Predators in five. Wow. Okay. Yeah, okay. I've got Dallas in six. Dallas in six, and I, I just... I don't like where that trajectory's heading in Nashville. Mm. I don't like it. Yeah, I, don't like I it. got I got Dallas in seven. Yeah, and I think it's going to be like I think every game is going to be like two to one. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'm yeah I'm with you there. Yeah. Dead puck, dead puck revival series. Yeah, you'll yeah, get some one overtime. And triple, one of them will be one nothing in triple overtime. Yeah, yeah, you might get a three yeah. two game. Yeah, maybe a four two with an empty netter. Yeah, right. Yeah. By Matt Zuccarello. By Matt Zuccarello. <laughs> the Norwegian Hobbit. Next up, we have what I think will be the closest series in the West. And this one gave me a headache even trying to pick a winner for. San Jose versus Vegas. It's a rematch of last year. And they both look like very balanced, well-rounded teams to me. But let's start with offense. The Sharks are among the very best in the league. Yep. They had four 30-goal scores, almost had a fifth. Logan Couture had 27 goals. We know what they can do on the back end. Brent Burns, Eric Carlson is going to be in the lineup. Uh, and Vegas is no slouch, and they got no, better with Mark no. Stone. but. Yeah. Would you say that San Jose is the superior team offensively? I see that's a tough one because I, I would say you know they're the superior goal scoring team, but I think pace is going to be a big thing in this series, yeah. and that could be an advantage <laughs> for Vegas. So I don't know if you say it's offensively an advantage or if it's more just a structural thing, but I I think Vegas is going to skate past the Sharks a lot. And they did it last year. As they did last year. Yeah. And so it might come down to other factors, i.e. special teams. Yeah. But, I mean, San Jose's, at the high end, they're more dangerous, but I wouldn't I wouldn't count Vegas out in that category because they've got the depth. Yeah, I mean, both teams put a fair number of pucks on that. Um, but I think, you know, I mean, San Jose has the more dangerous guys, I mm-hmm. think. You know, the better guys in tight, around the net... Um, and I think that gives them the edge, but they both create 
a fair bit. Both of these teams create a fair bit. Mm-hmm. And and I, th- I think your point's well taken, Ryan, that this is going to be a series where, you know, I mean, if you're Vegas, you go at them. You yeah. go at them with speed like you did to everybody else in the playoffs Just last year, do it right? Again. Just Have do it all over again and and hope that your goaltending's better. And it may very well be. Mm-hmm. Now, defensively, uh, it's funny. The Sharks are almost like the reverse Islanders, where because their goaltending wasn't up to snuff, it, it, their goals allowed, I think, were more than normal, whereas I think they're actually a better defensive team than that number showed. Like, so Martin Jones having a bad year. It's the reverse with the Islanders, I think. As we said on the East podcast, their great goaltending propped them up. So if we're talking defense now, I still like the Sharks better as a defensive team than Vegas because of what they can bring on the back end. For half of every game, you're going to have some combination of Burns, Vlasic, Carlson, and you've yeah. got some very defensively responsible forwards. Right. Thomas Harrell's really good two-way. Joe yes. Thornton, Logan Couture, Joe Pavelski. I just like them all around in their defensive ability. In terms of their skaters, not when it comes to stopping the puck right now, but where do you guys stand? Well, it's it's even it's it's crazy in, in my mind that we're even debating that that San Jose is not the best defensive team. Like, how could they not be with the personnel that they have? But they're they're not running away in this category. They're not. Mm-hmm. I mean, and they don't, you know, I mean, they're a good defensive team. But I, I would suggest that the, what is it, the expected save percentage, that they're giving up a lot of 10 bellers, right? Like, they give yeah. up a lot of big-time chances, right? Um, so I don't, I don't think this is like a... I don't think this is like a romp for San Jose in in terms of, you know, having a a huge edge over the other guys. And I think the thing to keep in mind with guys like Burns and Carlson, where obviously they produce a ton from the blue line offensively and, you know, Corsi wise, they're, they're great puck possession players. But, you know, the thing we've always known about analytics is that, you know, in a small sample size, it doesn't really matter. You know, like in the playoffs, you, you usually the best possession teams win out, but not always. There are mitigating factors, and you know, my concern for San Jose would be that Carlson and Burns both give the puck away a lot, and because they have it, because they have it, but, they have it all the time. Yeah, yeah, but in the playoffs, when you give the puck away, that could be the one yeah. mistake yeah. where. That's the game. Right. And I right. think that's what the Sharks have to be careful of. And that's why a guy like Vlasic becomes even more important because he's the safety blanket that doesn't make those kind of mistakes. Is they really have to find that balance where you obviously don't want to stifle those two guys because they're so elite. But at the same time, you have to recognize that everything gets magnified. And I was talking to Ryan McDonough about this the other day, what he learned the first time he went to the cup final with the Rangers. And he was saying it's, it's one or two mistakes a game that affect the entire series. And yeah. when you yeah. look at Vegas, obviously they're a little more anonymous on the blue line than the Sharks, but we've seen this group go yeah. all the way to the final, and I, I don't think you can discount that. And who's the best takeaway artist in the entire NHL? Mark Stone. Mark Stone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. to your point, Vegas is the team, I think, that is very well equipped to punish because of their speed. That'll be interesting transition. to see Mark Stone taking it away from Eric Carlson. Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. 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 Like, just yeah. like practice, buddy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Dude, come on. Good point. <laughs> you know I always go left. <laughs> so to me, goaltending has to be the biggest edge for either team in the series based on how this year has gone. And yeah. Martin mm-hmm. Jones... Had the worst season of his career, and as Ken, you pointed out, the expected goals uh, shows that he didn't have much help. His workload was very difficult, which I think suppressed his numbers more than they should have. Uh, 
But still, it doesn't you can't deny that Jones is not his normal self. And Mark Andre Fleury had another very good season. He went to the final last year. He's got multiple cup rings. It's Fleury, right? Am I, am I missing? Anything? <laughs> no, no, I you're missing. Me? You're missing nothing. And Fleury had eight shutouts this year too. Like Mark Andre Fleury, you've missed nothing. <laughs> <laughs> see what I did there? I see. He's a good goaltender. Do you think there's any chance that box. Martin Jones... <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you had to get to that line for yeah. me to figure out what the heck yeah, you were yeah, talking yeah, about. Yeah, he doesn't miss anything. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, yeah. that was not Literally your best work. It's not your best work. <laughs> Metaphorically. So, Martin Jones, are we missing anything in terms of his ability to bounce back and be the goalie he was in the 2016 run to the final? Is that goalie still in there, or is it a write-off this year for Martin Jones? I mean, he certainly has the capability, and I, I don't think you can completely dismiss him out of hand. It's yeah, it's it's been a loosey goosey season yeah, how for o- him. How often though do you see a guy have a whole year like that, and then all of a sudden he's just mm. he just bounces right back and be? I mean, literally you last skaters. year with Braden well, Holt. Yeah, I don't know if it, yeah, but. Was it that bad? No, it wasn't that bad. It wasn't that bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was bad enough. No, and as it was coming out of my mouth, I was thinking, Brayden, somebody's going to, some smart ass is going to say Brayden Holpe. You know, (laughs) I I think you see it more with skaters than you do with goaltenders, but yeah. Okay. Uh, Time to look at the intangibles. Uh, And that's an interesting one because both teams have made deep cup runs in the last several seasons. I like the idea of winning it for the Joes. Pavelski and Thornton. Pavelski, no contract for next year. Joe Thornton, you never know which season's going to be his final one. They're both going to be back. They're both going to be back in San Jose next year. Joe Joe Thornton, Jumbo Joe, he is playing real well. Yeah. Yeah. His game is really well. It's not based on speed. It's his guile, right? Yeah. Uh, But I still like that narrative as something that can push the Sharks forward mentally as a mental edge. And once again, we're not expecting the Sharks to be a Stanley Cup contender. And the last time that happened, they went to the final. Right. But you don't win it for Joes. Joes drive you to win it. Joes win it for the, you. The, yeah, Joe's the Joes win it for you. Yeah, it's like a Chuck Norris thing. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. oh, fair. So, series pick. To me, the way we're describing this, it seems like it's pretty close. And I, I've got yeah. the Sharks by a hair. But even if, as I'm saying it out loud, I'm not that confident. There's a voice saying, like, no, Vegas. Vegas. But it's too late. I've already gone on you record and said the Sharks in print, so I'm sticking with it. I don't Sharks I, in seven. Another. This is another thing where I don't like where it's going. I don't like where it's going for San Jose. I, I, I think down the stretch and in the second half of the season, they were not, uh, not very good. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I think the magic's going to continue. I'm taking Vegas in six. Yeah, I have Vegas in six as well. I, I think they know how to beat this team. They've done it before, and they'll just do it again. Last up, we have in our Western Conference Round 1 Series previews, the series I think is going to be the most controversial to debate. The Winnipeg Jets and St. Louis Blues. The Blues were arguably arguably the story of the second half. Last place, the start of January, and almost won the division. The Jets stumbled down the stretch. They're our Stanley Cup pick, and as a group on the record, we've still gone with those Jets to go all the way, and maybe our confidence is in is a little shaky, but we're doing it anyways for our pride. So, where are we going with this? Well, we're going with, with the, the Jets-St. Louis series. We're Uncertainty town. Yeah, yeah. Because I can feel it that I don't think everyone in this room is is extremely confident in picking I, the I can Jets. Tell, I can tell you there, that everyone in this room isn't extremely confident. Oh, except for, except for this guy. But yeah, yeah, okay, good. Let's good, start by good breaking down the offenses. And 
even though Winnipeg stumbled down the stretch, to me, that's the clear advantage they have. And yeah. that's the advantage that they had over Nashville, a stingy team last year. The Jets have the game breakers, the star power. And even if Patrick Laine doesn't wake up, there's still Kyle Connor. Doesn't Conner wake and, up. Yeah. <laughs> 50 points this year, right? But yeah. you got yeah. Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley and Blake Wheeler. Yeah. There's so much talent there. And there's talent on the blue line as well. Yeah. Dustin Bufflin, we've seen the way he can take over a game in the playoffs at either end of the ice. So... Even though the Blues, they finally got some good performances later in the year, especially. Yeah. Tarasenko really yeah. came to life, and Ryan O'Reilly was great. I still think it's clearly the Jets here. Yeah. Offensively, yeah. Yeah, and it's and it's funny to think, like, man, Line wasn't very good this season. He only had 30 goals. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, on most teams, I'd be like, yes, please give us a 30-goal score. <laughs> but you have that. Mark Scheifele flirted with 40 Kyle Connor had a breakout year. Big time. Um, that kind of high-end... Gives Winnipeg a distinct advantage, at least in this category. And don't don't you see? Doesn't Patrick Liney just fit the profile of a guy who scores the overtime winner in Game Seven? Mm. Like, doesn't he just fit that or scores goal? ten goals in five? Yeah, 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 yeah. And then yeah. none yeah, gets, the gets hot. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I mean, St. Louis they they've got a nice collective, but I I don't think this is something that. They advertise as their specialty. Outside of, you know, Tarasenko can definitely be a game breaker, but, you know, if the Blues win this series, it's going to be in different ways. Fair. Uh, and switching over to defense, I think the Blues are pretty clearly the winner here. And yeah, they, yeah. They're an excellent team in shot suppression. Uh, of course, Bennington, when we get to goaltending, has been great, but the Blues just as a team are very strong defensively, and I think Ryan O'Reilly is a, is a legitimate Selkie Trophy candidate. Sure, definitely. He's the kind of guy sure. who he's going to play probably, I could see him playing 22 minutes a game yeah. in the playoffs in all situations. Uh, Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, there are a lot of forwards that I think can do a little bit of everything on this team. So I like, even though the, the Jets have great talent on paper, Jacob Truba, Bufflin, and Josh Morrissey's back healthy. I think the Blues are the better defensive team right now. Well, like, and up front, the depth that Winnipeg has offensively is the kind of depth St. Louis has defensively. Right. So that's going to be an interesting push and pull there, right? Like, you know, I mean, you can throw Alex Dean out against whomever, right? And, you know, yeah. I mean, he's a he's a very, very good defensive player. So, yeah, I mean, I, mean, I think that the... You know, you measure the edge, right? Like, the edge that St. Louis has in offense, I would say that it's just as big in, on the defensive side for for, uh, for St. Louis. Yeah, and I think it's worth at least asking how healthy is Dustin Bufflin. Like, he played five games yeah. coming and back from that ankle in, yeah. injury, and he played good minutes. He played more than 20 minutes, uh, I think, in all of those games, uh, or at least, you know, four to five of them. So, you know, it appears that he's in good shape, but for a guy his size to be coming back from an ankle injury, I'd be a little bit leery uh, to lean on him too much in the early going. And, you know, I mean, they do need all hands on deck because this is a super hot Blues team. They've won eight of their past ten, points in nine of their past yeah, ten. Yeah. And that kind of momentum can be very big in the playoffs. And they've been, they've been playing... They've been playing playoff hockey for a while. Remember? And, and Winnipeg hasn't. I mean, mm-hmm. as much as, you know, I mean... As much as you want to say that you're going to play these games real hard, I think yeah. I think human nature comes into play a lot of times. And when you know you've been so good for so long, you kind of let it off. And the West was garbage this year. It was hot garbage. Yeah, yeah. so it like for a, a team like Winnipeg and, and even like Calgary for that matter and, and some of the other high-end teams, they could say like, oh, we haven't clinched yet. It's like, yeah, but you know, like 
a bunch of teams yeah. are going to throw away games right. and knock themselves right. out of the playoff. Yeah, race. who's going to knock you out? Minnesota? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. Is Arizona going to all of a sudden like knock you off your perch? No, yeah. they're going to come up short a little bit as per usual, yeah. even though they were a scrappy story. But it's funny talking about defense. Remember earlier in the year we were like, who, who should St. Louis trade Alex Petrangelo to? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean... Not so close they were to being sellers. They were yeah. being mentioned in that discussion. Like, what kind of package could they get yeah. back? Yeah, it was Even like, Tarasenko was coming up here and there. Yeah. Braden Shen. Yeah, yeah. And they turned it around. Now they're going to win the Stanley Cup. You know, never know. <laughs> it could be the team of destiny, the 2012 LA Kings. Yeah. Uh, the other person to bring up in terms of injuries is Josh Morrissey, who, whose best case scenario was just getting back in time for game one. And again, you just never know because it's not like the regular season when like, once a guy's back, if it's in January or something, you're pretty confident that he's ready. Yeah. Whereas game one, it could be somebody getting rushed in who's 85% and just decides to have surgery on X in the offseason. So totally. yeah. I think that's a yeah. big, it's an intangible, we're going to get to intangibles. But first, let's get to goaltending. And this one is very interesting because Jordan Bennington was, he was the guy carrying the Blues. He was on fire since he took over as the starter. Connor Hellebuck, Vezina Trophy runner-up last year. Not as good this year. A big reason why is the Jets' defense core was not healthy. So the workload he faced was much tougher. Shot quality, much yeah. tougher this year. Mm. I, I say the Blues have the advantage with Jordan Bennington, for sure. Mm. I mean, this is a guy who, you know, like, he plays 10 more games. He's right in the Vezina conversation without question. Yeah. I mean, I, I mean, you can say what you want about the St. Louis Blues, but they, were, they weren't going to go anywhere unless they got... This kind of goaltending. Yeah. And and this is what turned everything around for them. Like, everything. So I, I don't know how you can't... I You know, we don't know how he's going to react to this, but he seems like the kind of guy that just doesn't care about anything. Totally. Like, it's like, do I look like I'm nervous? Yeah. Like, you know, I mean, I, I just don't... I don't see the big bright lights of the playoffs and everything phasing this guy. And, I mean, this guy's already come in and faced the pressure situation, right? He got them to where they are. He's playing with house money. Yeah. Yeah, and, I mean, it's worth noting that Biddington has won an OHL title when he was in junior with Owen Sound. Right. Uh, you know, they went to the Memorial Cup, didn't win it. But, um, you know, he, he's seen big games before. It's... It seems like he's a new guy, but, you know, career arcs are very different. And I think for him, you really nailed it, Ken. It's like he seems like the kind of guy that doesn't get bothered by these things. It's like yeah. Yeah. Uh, it doesn't matter how many people are in the stands or what the, you know, the situation is. I'm going to play 60 minutes. I'm going to stop yeah. a bunch of pucks. So. You know, I was in the East Coast League a couple of years yeah. ago, yeah. eh? Like, <laughs> yeah. I, although, see, I'm in a different camp with Bennington. I think that there were no stakes because he had, the team had nowhere to go but up, and he pulled them from the abyss. But all of a sudden now, there are expectations for this team. And I think he's facing an entirely new challenge. And if you look at his save percentages by month, okay? So 846 in a smaller sample size. 936, 945, 912, 913. So it's coming back down to earth already over the last two months of the season. Uh, I think he was he was just good. He wasn't elite in yes. the last couple months yeah. of the season. Yeah. And now he's facing a lineup that has guys like Connor and Ellers and Line a and Shifley and Wheeler. Guys who can really shoot the puck right. and, right. and challenge him. Uh, and on every almost every line, the Jets are going to have a threat like that. So I'm not saying I'm not going to hot take the crap out of this and say, well, oh, the, the Bennington's worse than Hellebuck. Bennington, Bennington's been great, but I think it's going to be closer to a wash. In okay. than, than yeah. I think that's fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So intangibles, and we've already used the term house money, uh, and I think the Jets, you know, picked by us. I don't know if they care, but if they, maybe maybe we added to the pressure, uh, picked by them to win. We picked them to win the cup. The Blues were left for dead. They fought back. So it certainly seems like the team with all the momentum has the mental edge 
going into this one? Yeah, and I mean, there's a lot of pressure, I think, on the Jets where this has been, it's been a fantastic build by GM Kevin Sheveldayoff. And I think, you know, having a knowledgeable fan base that has seen the steps and recognized what he has built definitely helped. And they had a tremendous amount of support, obviously, once they did make the playoffs in recent years. But I think at this point, Winnipeg fans are like, okay, no, this is, this is our time, right? Like, this is what we've been waiting for. You know, ever since NHL hockey was ever in Winnipeg the first time. And I think that there's a lot of pressure on the Jets to, to come through. Yeah, there is. Um, I, I don't, I'm not a big one for, like, momentum down the stretch because, I, I mean, I, I've seen it. Uh, you've, you see it. You see teams that are really good down the stretch win and lose the Stanley Cup. You see teams that are really bad down the stretch win the Stanley Cup. You see teams that are just okay down the stretch win the Stanley Cup. But when the body of work is this big for both sides, for both sides, with St. Louis from the second half of the season on, they were the best team in the NHL. Winnipeg from the from the half point of the season on was, like, charitably was mediocre. Yeah. Right? Okay? So to me that means something because it's not just – the last ten games of the mm. year, it's a huge body of work. So I think that gives I think that gives a big edge to the to the Blues. Okay, and and when it comes to making series picks, one thing I'll say to go against your point, Ken, is um, yes, the Jets were bad down the stretch, but they were never healthy. And the Jets yep. remind yep. me of they remind me of the Capitals last year, a team that's got so much talent and a team that's built to play any kind of game. They can play a physical, heavy game. They have size. Mm. They're one of the bigger teams in the league, but they've got lots of skill and speed doesn't matter what their opponent wants to do. The Jets can tailor their game because they have so, so much variety in the types of players that they have. Uh, and that's why I'm still picking the Jets to win the Cup. It sounds crazy, but I'm doing it because they remind me of Washington's structure. And Washington also was a team that by the time they got to the playoffs last year, they were sort of written off. It wasn't their big year, unlike previous seasons. And the Jets, they regressed in the standings. But it almost seems to me like they were restless, and they, it's just like, let's get to the big dance. Come on. We, we had a great season last year in the regular season. We want to go deeper in the playoffs again. Uh, so I, I think the Jets are going to be a team that the dress rehearsal was ugly, but they're yeah. going to turn it on, and they're not okay. going to flub any lines on opening night. So yeah. I got the Jets winning the series in six on the strength that they're just better overall talent. Well, I think that Nashville's and Winnipeg's best chance of getting to the second round was to play each other, mm. and they're not going to play each other now. So mm. I'm calling for both of them to be out in the second Woo! round. Yeah. I'm calling for St. Louis in seven. Yeah, I have St. Louis in seven as well. Nice! Yeah. Boom! Yeah. You guys are really in sync for this one. You're going against yeah. me on three of the four, I think, right? <laughs> yeah, it's just like, it's a vibe and with we're, this And one. we're smarter than you. <laughs> and we have blazers. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Touche. Yeah. I just got some, yeah. some Mr. Sweater. Mountain Co-op. Mr. Mr. You know what's funny? I'm in Mountain, Mountain Co-op. Co-op. Like, I didn't realize that it was a, it's a club that you, you join. Like, you can you yeah. can bring something back and trade it in. I never went. There. How could you not be a mountain co-op guy? Like you look like the kind of guy who walks into mountain co-op. I was gonna say, three didn't, that, didn't that beard come from mountain co-op? <laughs> this, this coffee, it's fair trade. It's off the rack. Yeah. Well, on that note, <laughs> that concludes the Western Conference Round One Predictions Podcast. We'll be back as the playoffs continue. Enjoy the first games. <laughs> <laughs>